so we're going to be kicking into a series. It's really one sermon, but it's in two parts. Uh, as I started writing this message for today, uh, I realized like this is just way too much content for one service. And so I do know this, that uh, what your rear end can't endure, your ears will not hear. And uh, so I'm trying to be better in that regard. And so I've broken it up into two parts. And so, um, you know, one of the things about... Um, really the Christmas season, and, and we see this terminology a lot, is that Jesus is the light of the world, and we see the imagery of all these things, And but what does that really look like? And so, uh, really my desire, my goal over these next couple of weeks um, is to kind of compare and contrast darkness and light, uh, because the Bible talks a lot about these things. Uh, there's a lot of visual imagery throughout the scriptures, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, and the birth of Jesus, all these different things that we see. And, uh, and so we want to look at some of these things, but I first want to give you a little bit of background before I get to my points. Today I have two points for you. Next week I think I have three, maybe four, but I wanted to give you a little background as to why it was significant, I believe, uh, that Jesus made this state, statement and made this declaration about him being the light of the world. And so if you rewind a little bit and you go into the Old Testament, which if uh, you don't know this, uh, your Bible is actually broken up into two parts. We call it the Old Testament, the New Testament. It could also be referred to as the Old Covenant, the New Covenant. Uh, it's really, uh, when you boil it down, uh, it's really that God was relating to humans in two different ways. In the past, he was relating to humans based off of the law. Uh, and so, let me say it this way. Is it was all external things. Don't do this. Don't go there. Don't touch that. Don't eat this. It was a bunch of don'ts, right? There was a lot of things not to do. Um, but in the New Testament, which really Jesus is the divider between the two, um, is that now it's really based on our relationship is on grace. It's on the goodness of God. Uh, it, why? And what's the difference? Well, Jesus. Jesus is in the middle of that. And so when Jesus came, he died the death on the cross and uh, grace was released to us because Sin had a price and it had to be paid. And so we have the, the luxury, if you will, we have the great opportunity to live in grace and not under the law. Is anybody glad you don't live under the law? If you don't know, go read the book of Deuteronomy. You'll have a blast reading it. And you will find out that there are all kinds of things that you're like, man, I'm glad I don't have to do all of those things just to come to church. Like just to, to stay right with God and all of the sacrifices and all of the things. And there was a purpose for all of those things. They were actually types and shadows of who Jesus is, but what he would accomplish. And so uh, the Old Testament is important. I know some people uh, may hold to that, well, we don't need to read the Old Testament at all. Well, you do because Jesus is in the Old Testament too. And there are things that are established that explain some of the New Testament. And so you can't accurately fully understand the truths in the New Testament without having a pretty solid Old Testament understanding. And so it's important that we know these things. And so if the, if the Old Testament was external then the New Testament becomes very internal. It's that God no longer deals with us from an outward perspective. And part of the reason that God did that outwardly in the Old Testament is God only spoke to or through a very few select people throughout uh, really the Old Testament, which, you know, and so not everybody had the, the ability to be led by the Spirit of God. But the Bible, why? Because they were spiritually dead. Their, spirit, their spirits could not come alive unto God. But this side of the cross, the Bible says that we take on a new nature, that we've been redeemed, that we now are in relationship with God. And so you don't have to come to me and say, hey, can you go pray 
and come back and tell me what God said. You can go pray and you can hear from the Lord for yourself. Why? Because there's a relation. Because the Bible says that we were spiritually dead, but now we've become spiritually alive by the grace of God. And and so, but there was this season before Jesus comes between the book of Malachi and what's the book of Matthew, really the dividing line of scriptures from the Old Testament to the New Testament. There was several hundred years, around 300 years of silence. Uh, I mean, when I say silence, I mean, God was not talking to anybody about anything. There was no direction given. There was no revelation coming. Uh, there was really nothing for even uh, God's children to go off on or to go off of. And so there were no signs. There were no wonders. You can read throughout the Old Testament where God really led the children of Israel through many ways. But you get to the what we call the end of the Old Testament and it gets real quiet for hundreds of years. Now think about that. Think if you were in those couple of hundred years. There's no presence of God. There's no significant thing that you can tell. And so really you're just living on the hope of the past, but there is no present and there doesn't really seem to be much future hope. You're just kind of waiting and longing and saying, well, maybe one day. And then all of a sudden we see where John the Baptist kind of burst onto the scene, which the Bible prophesied, which that word just simply means that God foretold and said that there would be one who would come before the Messiah and would prepare the way for him. And so out of this silence, all of a sudden there's this prophet named John and he was kind of a wild guy. He didn't live in the city. The Bible says that he, he lived out in the, uh, kind of out in the countryside and he ate locusts and wore, wore, you know, animal skins and it was kind of a, Radical kind of fella. And, uh, but yet people were drawn to him because he was there and it was his calling uh, to really be the forerunner to Christ. And, and so I want to read you something, though, that kind of backtrack in John's life a little bit. And I'll tell you just a little bit of the story. And, and why one of the reasons why we can be so confident, number one, that Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, you know, there are approximately 300 messianic scriptures uh, in the Old Testament. So in other words, 300 times God foretold things about Jesus and how we would know it was him. Now, it, it's not just statistically improbable. It's statistically impossible that one person in the span of human history could actually fulfill all 300 or 300 plus, and yet Jesus did. I mean, from where he was born, where he would go, where he would come back to. I mean, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but then he went to Egypt, and that's all foretold in the scriptures. Then he comes back, but he doesn't go back to his hometown. He goes to Nazareth. I mean, we don't even label Jesus as being from Bethlehem. He is Jesus of Nazareth. That's not his hometown. But yet the Bible said that he would be a Nazarene. He said that he would come out of that region. And so the Bible foretells over and over and over about the coming of the Messiah. And so when John the Baptist is born, his dad has an interesting interaction with an angel. He has a visitation from an angel and an angel comes to him and begins to tell him, hey, your son's not just a normal boy. Like your boy has an assignment. And so, uh, you know, there's this dialogue that goes on. And then, uh, you know, the, let me just say it this way. Zachariah has a disagreement with the angel on a point, And the angel says, well, you're going to be mute. So he literally ceases to be able to talk. And so there's a time and a period that goes by. And so there's a debate when John the Baptist is born. His mom said, you know, everybody wants to know. Famous question when a baby's born. What are you going to call him? Right. And so the mom says, John. 
And everybody's like, why would you name him John? That's not a family name. Nobody, I mean, like, where did that name come from? That's ridiculous. And so they bring a a pad to Zechariah and they say, hey, what's the boy's name? Which the angel had told both of them his name is to be John. Similarly to the way that the angel told Joseph and Mary that his name is to be Jesus. And there's reasons for this and we won't unpack it today, but uh, God actually gave them the name. And so he couldn't talk and so he wrote it that his name is John. And in that moment that he said or that he wrote that out, all of a sudden he could speak again. So he got out of, you know, verbal jail, if you will, in a way. But he begins to speak, but he doesn't just begin to speak. He actually begins to prophesy. He begins to, and really what that word means is to say what the Lord is saying. And so he begins to prophesy and prophesies for quite a bit. But I'm just going to read three verses here. And in Luke chapter 1. It says, and you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High, because you will prepare the way for the Lord. He says, and you will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins because of God's tender mercy. And it says, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Now, we don't know exactly. I I mean, I have a a good guess, I suppose. I believe that Jesus and John the Baptist were about six months apart in age. The reason I know that is because their moms were both pregnant at the same time. Now, we don't know the exact, but we do know that Elizabeth, uh, John's mom, was pregnant first. But John the Baptist actually leapt within her when Mary came into her presence. It's kind of this pretty cool story. You can go read it. Uh, But... um, and so they were close in age, so they were actually cousins. They were family. Uh, they were family members. And, and so, but this last part of this verse here where it says, where he's prophesying, so he's saying, John, you're going to be mightily used of God and, and all of these things. But he says, hey, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give us light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide us to the path of peace. Now, this is actually a, a, a repeat of something that the prophet Isaiah spoke and wrote in Isaiah 9. And so some 700 years before Jesus arrives, Isaiah, the prophet, one of the people that God would speak to and through, speaks and says this exact, almost this exact same same statement about that there would be light that would come. And even in Isaiah, he says that the people have seen a great light. And so we really come out of this moment where there's been kind of silence from heaven. In a sense, you could call it a pretty dark time. Because there was no, God was not moving amongst his people. It was just kind of stale and stagnant and people were probably wondering, what's happening? Anybody there? Anybody know what that feels like? Like, God, what's going on? And yet, God had already foretold about what he would do. And here's the good news, by the way, is that God still foretells today. God still speaks today. God can still tell you today to give you hope and courage and faith for the future to say, hey, I know where you're at today, but this is not where it's going to end. God is still speaking and moving on our hearts just as he did in the scriptures. And so regardless of what you may be dealing with, facing, wandering, trying to figure out today is that we have the answers. Whether we realize it or not, Jesus has made the way for us to actually hear the voice of God. And so I want to take a few moments here 
as we uh, finish up this really, or kind of get into some of this today, uh, and I want to contrast some of the traits, some of the qualities of what darkness looks like and what light looks like. And you say, well, this is kind of a strange Christmas message. A little bit. But the Bible tells us multiple times that we've been, what, we've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and we've been brought into the kingdom of light. But how many of you know that we may not be experiencing all of the light of the kingdom that Jesus has provided for us? And so there are times that we need to stop and do a little bit of a checkup, a soul checkup, and say, am I actually experiencing all that God has for me? Because the Bible says that Jesus has already done everything that he can do. And so it's up to us to actually walk in the wisdom, the light, and the understanding of the scriptures. And yet we see... Many times where Jesus is referred to in some form or fashion as the light of the world. He's referred to as, you know, um, he's just referred to many times as with light being part of it. And so here's one of the, so I'm going to, I'm going to give you a a darkness trait and then I'm going to give you a light trait. And so today I've got two of these. Next week we'll have a few more. But here's one of the things that I know that when we live in darkness, here's one of the, the traits is that things hide. We don't want to be open. We don't want to be honest. We just want to kind of tuck things away. We don't want to deal with stuff. It just, things hide in darkness. The Bible says this many times. Go read the book of Proverbs. And it talks about this principle many times. And so what happens though is that the enemy tells us that, hey, our secrets are safe in the dark. Nobody needs to know. Nobody has to know about these things. And that is true. Your secret may be safe in the dark, but what's true also is that your secrets can also keep you bound. And so the enemy will try to convince us to just say, hey, don't worry about it. Because the thing is, is that when we allow uh, really the influence of the enemy in our life, it limits our ability to experience the presence of God. It limits our ability to hear the voice of God. It limits our ability to walk in faith and to have hope. Why? Because we we become discouraged because we've allowed areas of darkness into our life. And you say, "Well, well, how do I allow darkness into my life? There's lots of ways, but there's influences through our eyes, through our ears, through our influences, through the things that we engage with, through the conversations that we have. There's lots of areas and avenues, and even outside of all of those things, we still have an enemy who speaks. And unfortunately, we've been, we have trained ourselves to hear his voice so well, and we've spent very little time and attention actually learning to hear the voice of God. And so the enemy wants to keep us in darkness. Why? Because if we stay in darkness, if we, if we stay with our secrets, if we hold our stuff to ourselves, then he keeps control. He keeps uh, the upper hand, if you will. You know, but what happens is, if, if you ever done this at night, I remember I have one specific time in mind, but where I walked into my kitchen, we don't live in this house anymore, but which, you know, whatever. I walk in the kitchen, it's the middle of the night, I flip the light on and just... How many of you know what I'm talking about? I had some friends in the kitchen. Now the truth is, is that they were always there, but they just played in the darkness. But the light revealed what was there all along. And so what happens, and what we need to do as believers, if we really want to walk um, 
in the fullness of what God has for us, we have to, number one, come to the realization, the understanding, and the acknowledgement that we are not enough. That we left to ourselves are not that awesome. Is that we have issues, we have things, and we need the light of the gospel. We need the light of the word of God. We need the presence and the person of Jesus to come into our life so that, why? So that his light can reveal the things that are holding us back. And so, if darkness hides, light reveals. And we need the light of the gospel. We need the light of the word of God in our lives. And this is very important. And so, in John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, this is um, really a scripture. It's referring to Jesus, but it's actually talking about uh, even before the world began. But it says, in verse 4, it says, The word, which is Jesus, gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Now, that's good news for us. Is that no matter how hard the enemy tries, Jesus will still come out on top. No matter how many times people have declared, we're going to put an end to Christianity and the Bible's going to go away. It has never happened and it never will. Why? Because the light of the gospel can never be extinguished. As a matter of fact, when persecution rises, people's response to the gospel actually rises. I mean, I know we have a lot of things going on culturally for us. And while it can be um, looked at in a negative way, I also look at it as I believe that the church will rise up against it. And I believe that the glory of God will come upon the church in response to what we see happening in our culture. Why? Because the culture cannot extinguish the light of the gospel. Now, we can allow that in our own lives if we choose to, but yet we, when we put ourselves in a place to where light can actually come into our life... And what does light do? It brings truth. It brings understanding. It brings revelation. And so we get into the word of God. We get into the presence of God. We come to church. We're taught the word. Why? Because all of those things bring light into our life. They bring understanding of who God is, what he desires to do. And in that light, we find truth. And in that truth, we find freedom and we find life. And that's exactly what the scriptures are saying. In Psalms 118... Or, I'm sorry, in Psalms 18, 28, the Bible says this. It says, God, all at once you turned on a floodlight for me. It says, you are, are the revelation light in my darkness. And in your brightness, I can see the path ahead. Another place in the Psalms, it says that, that your word is a light unto my feet. And your word, or a, it's a light and a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so we see this throughout the scriptures. And here it says, and I can remember as I was thinking about this and preparing this, I was thinking about when I got saved, how everybody in church changed in a moment. I thought they were crazy the week before. And then the week after I was like, I kind of get it. Not fully, not totally, but it was foolishness to me the week before. What happened? I was translated from darkness and into light. And the Bible tells us that we're all born into darkness. And we have to what? Accept Christ into our life to bring light into our life. Now, some of you may have the thought and say, well, man, I don't want the Lord to reveal stuff in my life. Like that makes me nervous. You mean he's going to start talking to me about my, my stuff? Maybe. 
But here's what I would tell you is that God never reveals anything that he doesn't want to heal. In other words, is that God reveals something because he has something better in mind for you. He really does. And so even when we see these things, and so the light um, does expose, and what it really exposes is what's actually going on. I love Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. It says that the word of God is quick, powerful, that it's active, and it's, and I'm going to give you my paraphrase of the end of it, is it can tell you why you do what you do. It can tell you why you respond the way that you respond. It says that it divides even between the thoughts and the intents of your heart. In other words, your motives. Well, sometimes our motives need to be revealed to us so that we can change them. Why? Because they're not pure. And yet that is hindering us from stepping into what God has for us. And so we see this here. And and so it does reveal what's going on under the surface. And most importantly, it it really reveals the condition of our souls. And this is an important aspect. Why? Because we're not just about the external. We live under grace, which God is. Yes, he's concerned about what we do on the outside. But this is what I know. If we're right on the inside, the outside will take care of itself. If our heart is changed, our behaviors will follow. But many times we have it backwards. We think, well, if I change my behaviors, my heart's going to change. That's not the way it works. God works from the inside out. That's the way he works with us. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13 through 14 says this. It says, their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. And this is why it is said... Awake, O you sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So God wants to bring some understanding, some uh, those light bulb moments into your life. And I, I really believe that even this scripture where it says, hey, you got to wake up. Some of you may be like spiritually half asleep. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Maybe not spiritually, but physically. You wake up, but you're awake, but you're not awake. You're kind of in a stupor a little bit, and you're like, man, I ain't got my coffee yet. I ain't got my shower yet. I got to do this. I got to, I'll, I'll wake up. And here it says, hey, you got to wake up and rise from your, from the dead so that Christ can give you life. Proverbs 28, 13 says that people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if we, they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. So we have no reason. I mean, let me just help you out. There's nothing that you do, nothing that you think, nothing that you process in your mind that God doesn't already know about. So let me help you with something. When we repent, it's not new news to him. I mean, we're never going to repent of something and God be like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Jesus, did you hear that? He already knows. So maybe repentance isn't so much for God as it is for us. And then when we bring it before him, there's a release of the guilt and the shame. We bring it into the light. And what do we get in return? We get grace and mercy. That's what Proverbs says. I don't, we don't receive judgment. Why? Because judgment was poured out on Christ on, for our behalf. And so the Bible here says... That when we confess and say, well, what's all this confession stuff and why do we have to say it? Because the Bible says so. And either the Bible is true and it produces or it doesn't. But if it's true, then there's power in what it's telling us to do. 
See, when we choose to live in darkness, we don't have the presence or the power of Jesus in those areas of our lives. And look, and we can have light in a lot of areas of our life, but yet we can still reserve, you know, it's kind of like that junk drawer in your house. You got some junk drawers in your soul too. And so do I. And there are times that I need to come and ask the Lord to clean it out. Why? Because there are things that are hindering me from experiencing more of who he is. But see, when we live in the light, that's where the power and the presence of Christ come into full effect. And so my question for you is this, is that will you invite in the light of Christ into every part of your life? Including those little junk drawers. Not holding on to this or not holding on to these things and just saying, Jesus, whatever you want, whatever is holding me back, whatever is keeping me from experiencing the fullness of who you are, just take it. Because again, he doesn't reveal anything to us that he doesn't want to heal. The devil brings condemnation. You want to know the difference between light and dark? When you feel ashamed and guilty and regretful, that's not the Lord. That's the enemy accusing you, which the Bible says he does day and night before the Lord. But conviction from the Lord says, I know what you've done, but there is a better way and and, and we can move past this. And it's not just moving past it. God says, I know how to deal with it because of what Christ did. He's he's created the avenue in which that we can uh, experience him. And so there may be some struggles, some hurts, some regrets, some uh some missed moments, but when we if we trust him, which if you know how much he loves you, you would trust him. But many times I think that we struggle really believing how much God loves us. I mean, the Bible tells us in Romans 8 that if if God didn't spare sending Jesus, how much more would he not give us everything that we need? Because why? Jesus was the highest and the best. And so, you know, kind of give you an illustration of this, a natural one. Is it how many of you would sign up for a surgery where the doctors told you, hey, we're going to do surgery on it, but we're not going to turn on any lights in the room. We're just going to do it in the dark. I mean, you can go in there and write, you know, this leg, not this leg, but guess what? In the dark, they're not going to see it. How many of you ever heard of them when people do that kind of stuff? This side, not this side, you know, just kind of a funny thing. But no, surgeons, when they get in there, they have very specific lights so that they can see what they're doing clearly. And I'm very thankful for medical science. I'm very thankful for doctors and surgeons. But the, the facts are is that they can heal the body. They can, they can do things with our physical bodies that are amazing, that are astounding, that when you look into it and you do the research, it's amazing. But you know what? Medicine can never touch is the soul. Jesus heals the soul. And so when we come to him, we've got to, just like it would be in surgery, there needs to be some lights turned on. There needs to be some things where God can work. And so we need to allow Jesus to come in as the greatest, most skillful surgeon on the planet. Now, here's the good news. When the Lord comes in and, 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 and takes things out of our life, if you go to surgery, you know, you have recovery. How many of you like recovery? You got four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks of recovery. That's a nice way of saying you're going to be in pain for a bit. When Jesus comes in and works, though, it's instantly better. Like, there is no hangover. 
There is no aftermath. There is no recovery. You get to what now experience the fullness of what God wants to do. And so when we trust him, even with the broken places of our life, he comes in like a, just a skillful surgeon. And removes those things out of our life that don't need to be there. That are limiting us and keeping us from experiencing him. My second attribute, if you will, of darkness is this. Is that darkness distracts us. Darkness has a way of of just getting us off course. And it pulls us away really from what God wants us to do. And this happens in multiple ways, but maybe it's a compromise. Maybe there's something enticing. And if you're like me and you've got ADD, there's like, you know, a flash of something. I don't remember. It was a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember what story it was, but I had several people come up to me after service and say, hey, what ha- you didn't finish the story. What happened with this? I'm like, I didn't remember even not finishing that story. No, but things pull us, the darkness pulls us away from our purpose. You know, I, I mean, I've served the Lord for right at 25 years. That's how long I've been serving the Lord faithfully, to the best of my ability, not perfect, but to the best of my abilities. And when it wasn't to the best of my abilities, I thank God for His grace. But I have I've been endeavoring now for 25 years to walk with the Lord. And I can remember when I first got saved and at other moments where I could, where, if you will, that I was on a spiritual winning streak. I was on a spiritual high, right? But then things would begin to distract me and pull me away. And, and maybe I didn't spend the time in the word like I used to. Or maybe I wasn't praying the way that I used to. And then I wonder like, well, God, what changed? Like, where did you go? And he's thinking like, I'm where I've always been. Why? Well, because I'd allowed some influence into my life that began to pull me away from what I was so passionate about at some time. And ultimately, the enemy is, is what? He wants to take from us the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. It's John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. Jesus says, but I have come that you would have life and have it to its fullest potential. To its ultimate expression. A God kind of like life. And yet darkness comes to distract us, to pull us away, to try to get things in our soul so that it drags us away from the life that Jesus has for us. And so if, if, if darkness distracts, and what's the reverse of that is that light guides. Light gives us a clear path to walk and a clear understanding that we can go on. And so uh, Psalms 27, 11 says this, teach me how to live, O Lord, and lead me along the right path. Teach me how to walk. Teach me how to live. Teach me how to act. Teach me how to think. That's why the Bible talks about, again, in Romans 12, we have to renew our mind. What is it? What is that word renew? Really? It means to change the way you think. We were born into darkness. And if we don't do something to change that, we will think that way. And we will limit the power of Christ in our life until we begin to learn, according to the word of God, something new and something different. And it's going to feel a little strange at first. Why? Because it's new. Most new things feel a little strange at first. But yet here the psalmist writes and says, teach me how to walk and lead me. 
The Bible says in Romans, I mean, in uh, John 14 and John 16, that Jesus is telling the disciples that, hey, I'm about to leave. And they kind of freak out a little bit. And they're like, wait, 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 what do you mean you're leaving us? And he goes, guys, don't worry. It's actually better for you if I leave. Because if I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who will be with you always. And his number one job is to be your guide. Your guide into what? Into abundant life. Into the life that Jesus paid the ultimate price to give us. So the Holy Spirit can tell us things like, hey, don't think that. Don't meditate on that. Hey, don't take hold of that offense. Somebody said something and all of a sudden we grab hold of it. And the Holy Spirit's going to say, you need to forgive them. Like, "Mm -mm, I ain't doing it. Why? He's trying to lead you into life. Why? Because offense will lead you. And again, that, that may be another distraction. But yet light guides. In John 8, this is the kind of the key scripture, I guess, of, of um, where at least the title comes from. But Jesus speaking to the, to the people, he, he declares, says that I am the light of the world. And he says, if you follow me, you won't walk in darkness. So if you take the, if you make that not a negative statement, because he says, if you follow me, or let me flip it. He says, if you don't follow me, you will walk in darkness. And I believe even as Christians that we can choose to walk in darkness because we don't walk in the wisdom and the understanding and the counsel of God's word. And here he says, if you follow me, you'll not walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Again, light guides. It directs. It it, it leads us in a direction. See, in James chapter 5, In verse 1, the Bible says that if we need wisdom, like if you've got something that you're struggling with, something you're wrestling with, something you can't figure out, something that you're trying to navigate, and you're going, man, what do I do in this moment? The Bible here tells you, hey, if if you're stuck, you just need to ask for some wisdom. What is wisdom? It's God's way of doing things. It's God's mindset, God's approach. And it says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. And he won't even be upset that you asked. Other translations of the Bible say that he will freely, generously give you the wisdom that you need. And so what what are those things that you're struggling with? What are those things that you're trying to wrestle with? What are the, the problems that you're facing that you can't figure out? It might be a good idea to stop and just say, Lord, I I need your wisdom. I don't know how to navigate this relationally. I don't know how to handle this financially. I don't know how to, to handle this situation at work. We've got this problem. I don't know what to do. You have the helper, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. So stop for a moment and ask for help. And I know we've got a number of men in here. That's not our strong suit. I get it. But... I can either stay frustrated trying to figure things out or I can ask the Holy Spirit for his wisdom and for his help. And you're like, oh, the Lord doesn't care about these trivial things. You would be surprised. Why? Because if we're frustrated, it affects our peace. It affects our joy. That affects all areas of our life. And so we want to walk in the the wisdom and the counsel of the word of God. 
We have to give priority to it. And so Jesus here is making this declaration. He says, hey, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness. Okay, we have to follow him. And that doesn't mean one time I prayed a prayer years ago. That means I am actively pursuing and following after him. You're doing that right now. But it doesn't stop with just showing up at church on a Sunday. Like it's a daily, that's why the the Lord's Prayer said, give us this day our daily bread. It's a daily connection and and this, this relationship that has to happen, not occasionally, but regularly. Like, well, what does regularly mean? Like if Sunday's not enough, every day seems like a lot. Just find you a spot. Find you a place to connect with God. Get into his word. Begin to read the word of God. In January, we'll do 21 days of uh, prayer and fasting where we take 21 days and we focus at, at the beginning of the year. We'll do it from January 8th to the 28th. So I'm giving you a month's heads up. Get ready. Start praying. Start asking the Lord. Hey, Lord, what would you have me to lay aside? If you're like, I don't have a clue. Have you asked him? I think sometimes we we set ourselves up with the Lord because we want to run in at the last minute and be like, oh, I forgot. What do you want me to do? I have found that it's hard to hear the Lord under pressure. To even sense his leadings when I'm, I need an answer right now. And it, you, not that he won't, he has, but it's a lot easier when the pressure's not on. And so we'll take 21 days and we'll kind of have some focused times of prayer and devotionals available for you and all these things why to help you get into the habit of getting into the presence of god we're going to challenge you with this to take 15 minutes a day five minutes in worship five minutes in the word five minutes in prayer take the first 15 minutes of your day and just do that and i believe that after 21 days that you will see the benefits Of that relationship with God. You're like, so I have to wait a month to do that? Go read the book of John. Read a chapter a day. Just start there. If you don't know what to read, go read the book of John. It's one of the gospels. It's one of the first-hand accounts of, of life with Jesus. You'll find out more about who Jesus is. That's part of why we need to read the scriptures. Why? Because it reveals Jesus to us. It reveals his nature, his character, who he's like. And so if I can read him, I will begin to understand him. So that even when I get... An unction, I can say, well, who's this from? Well, this doesn't really seem like the Jesus that I read about in the scriptures. This doesn't really line up with that, so this probably isn't from him. And so we have these things, you know, is that number one is that, um, is that when we allow darkness into our life, things get hidden, things get stored away. And, and, and here's what happens is that we actually begin to forget about them in time. And we wonder, and it's because we buried them so deep that we don't even remember they're there anymore. But Jesus wants to come in and reveal some of those things. He wants to bring it into the light. Why? Because he's the great surgeon. And so we, we want to put ourselves in a place where we allow um, the Lord to reveal things in our life. And, we can, and you can ask, hey God, I mean the psalmist wrote it this way. Hey, if there's anything in me that is offensive to you, reveal it. Show it to me. Any offensive way, 
Now, he's not harsh or ugly or judgmental, but he'll reveal it to you if you ask. Sometimes I think that the Lord doesn't reveal things until we ask. But we need him to reveal some things. And so we need to, as I said earlier, you need to invite Christ and invite the light of Christ into every part of your life. And then we looked at it in that darkness distracts. What are you being pulled away from right now? Like what areas of your life do, is it possible that the enemy has distracted you and pulling you away from who Christ is and what he desires to do in your life? I mean, we, we live in a very distracted world, very distracted culture, and there's lots of things vying for our attention all the time. But what's keeping us from really stepping over into that place where we're being led by the Spirit of God, where, where the light of the Word of God is guiding us and moving us along to a right path? So the, these are my challenges to you, is to kind of take these these, these points, if you will, and say, okay, how do these apply to my life? Have I allowed some areas of compromise in my life? Have I allowed darkness into areas of my life where God wants to move and God wants to work in my life? Because I believe that there's a chance that there are some areas. And that if we really want to experience the light of the world and the power of the gospel, we just need to invite the light in. Now, let me say this before I wrap up today. It's not our job to deal with the darkness that we find. Because if we could deal with it, we would. The light expels the darkness. If the darkness could extinguish the light, it would. Darkness cannot overtake light. I mean, think about the sun when it comes up in the morning. Do you think in all of our human effort that we could stop the sunshine from hitting the planet? It's impossible. So we don't necessarily, have, I mean, we have to do our part. And yes, we have to be in cooperation. But it's not us who deals with these things. It's the light of Christ that comes. I'll give you an example of this from the scriptures. There was a, the Bible says that there was a, a, a man from this area of Gadara. And the Bible says that he was... Filled with demons. When, they, when Jesus, he runs up to Jesus, which is kind of pretty interesting when you think about this. It says that it, he would, they would bind him with chains and do all these things. He lived in a graveyard. He's crazy. He's cutting himself, doing all these crazy things. And yet with all of the darkness that was in that man, which when Jesus asked him, he said, hey, what's your name? The demons responded and says, our name is Legion, for we are many. A legion in military terms is a thousand soldiers. I don't know if there's a thousand demons in that guy or not. I have no idea. But let's just say for conversation that there were. A thousand demons could not keep that man from running and worshiping at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus delivered that man in that moment. And the Bible says that that Jesus commanded the evil spirits to leave. They left him. And the Bible says that he was, because by the way, the guy ran around with no clothes on. And the Bible says that after Jesus took authority over the demons... They actually had a. They actually tried to barter with Jesus. If you go and read the account, they're like, "Why are you here? Ahead of time, you're ahead of schedule." And he says, "Well, you at least cast us into those those pigs over there." But after that interaction, the Bible says that that man was sitting still, clothed, 
and in his right mind. All that demonic ability wasn't enough. As a matter of fact, they begged Jesus to leave them alone. That's the difference. I I believe in many ways that we give uh, the enemy and his cohorts way too much credit. Because they're not as powerful as we think. But when we come into the presence of Jesus... And he begins to speak and he begins to declare the truth and the wisdom and the light of the word of God into our hearts and into our issues. The darkness will flee. But we have to come into his presence. And, you know, and I think it's interesting about that story as well. Is that Jesus, that man, this madman of Gadara was what he's referred to in scripture. Is that. He wanted to go and be with Jesus. He's like, oh, I want to go with you. I want to go with you. I want to go with you. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You need to go back into the town where everybody knows who you were. And you need to tell the story of what God has done for you. And so this morning, I want to leave you with two quick scriptures as as I'm wrapping up this morning. Because Jesus did declare, and we looked at this a minute ago, in John 8, that he was the light of the world. But in John 9, Jesus says this. He says, while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. While I'm here, I'm the light. Just as I was just sharing with you about this guy that Jesus had had delivered. He said, Jesus, I want to travel with you. I want to go with you. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. You need to go back because you have a story and you have a testimony. And you need to declare what God has done so that everybody who knew you before knows what... What you are after your experience with me. And so Jesus actually begins, he's talking to the disciples in in Matthew chapter 5. And he says this, he makes a statement. And he says that you are the light of the world. So Jesus has now shifted from saying I am the light of the world. To saying that you are the light of the world. He says, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, says no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let people see the change in you. Tell people what Christ has done in you. I mean, during this month, we're going to be in a lot of gatherings and get-togethers and around a lot of people and parties and all of these kinds of things. And and we can have all the festive activities. But why not share your story with some people? Ask God to give you opportunity to what? To share what what has happened in your life and what God has done in you just as it was with this uh, guy that Jesus had delivered. Share your story. Why? Because if God will do it for you, people might have the thought, he'll do it for me. And we'll have opportunities if we're looking for them. I mean, people are open to the gospel at this time of year. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just Christmas. I don't know if it's, I don't know. But people seem to be more open to receive the gospel and hear the gospel. And and what's the gospel? It's good news. You don't have to know chapter and verse for everything, but you have a story. So tell them your gospel story. Tell them what Christ has done in you. 
Why? Because just as the Bible says here, is that you are now the light of the world. You carry the hope of Christ in you. It's in you. And people are looking for it and and wanting it. And, And so, we want to remember that during this season. So my encouragement to you is this, is not to let the enemy steal or or dim your light. And that's part of what we're talking about. When when we can get darkness out of our light, guess what happens? Our light shines even brighter. More people can see the light. You know, I mentioned this earlier, but even in the the day and the time in which we live, yes, things are dark. But you know, one of the good things about dark is that light, light shines even brighter. It's even more attractive to those who don't know the Lord. So we need to what? Have the the courage to speak. You encounter somebody who's struggling. Maybe even just start. You're like, well, I don't even know where to start. Just ask them to pray for them. Hey, can I pray with you about that? You might find, which I have found this many times, is that I'm more hesitant than they are. Most of people are like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, no, right now. I'm like, you mean like right here in the aisle? Yeah, 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 right. Let's just pray right now. Oh, okay. And there's more of a hesitation on my end than there is on their end. And you never know those opportunities that God will bring you to let your light shine so that glory will be brought to Christ even throughout this holiday season. See, this is the beauty of the gospel. It's the beauty of Christmas. It's that, that annual reminder of what was done for us. What Jesus has accomplished for us. And so this morning I want to pray. As we're wrapping up this morning. Next week we'll continue. I'll have some more things to share with you along these lines. But I want to pray for you before we uh, head out today. And so Father God I just thank you right now. Father I thank you for every person that's here right now. Father I thank you. Father that the light of your word. The light that the Holy Spirit brings into our lives. Father, I thank you that it's shining ever brighter. Father, that it does reveal, that it, it, it reveals things, but it reveals things that you desire to heal. You know, you may be here this morning and, and you say, man, there are some, some past things in my life. And I, what you're saying resonates with me. And, and, and even as you were talking, I believe some things were, were brought forth. And, but I would like to just acknowledge that, hey, Jesus, I want to invite you into that, that area of my past, that area of my pain, that, that area of regret. I'm going to ask you just to slip up your hand real fast. You can put it up and put it right back down. You don't have to leave them up. This is really just between you and the Lord in this moment. What I'm going to pray is I'm going to pray that God's going to come in and work in that area that's on your mind right now. Is it where there's darkness that God's going to come in with his light and he's going to bring hope and healing and strength and he's going to renew you and and really transform the things that the enemy has thought that he had the upper hand in. So Father, I just thank you right now for every person that's, that's raised their hand in this moment just acknowledging Father, I know that there's some areas in my heart. There's some things in my life. There's, there's some, some spots of my soul like that, 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 that need your influence and need your presence in. So, Father, I ask you to pour out your spirit right now. Pour it out into each one of these, Father, in a powerful way. Father, I take authority over all the works of darkness. And I say that it cannot stand, but that light comes now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you. It doesn't matter how hard the enemy tries that he always loses. 
Because the power of your word goes forth. Your light always wins. Your light always moves upon us. So Father, I thank you that even during this season, during this time, Father, I thank you that you're reminding us of your goodness. You're reminding us of your faithfulness. Father, I'm asking that you would open doors and opportunities. Divine direction, even as we cross people's paths, Father, that you're opening up doors for us to pray and to to share the gospel with people, to share our story with those around us. Father, of your goodness, of, of your faithfulness, of your grace, of your kindness towards us. Father, that we would be able to lead people and point people to you. Father, that we would see you move in power and in demonstration in many people's lives. You know, if you're here this morning and you've never began your relationship with God, and you're saying, man, today today is my day. I, I need to surrender my heart to Jesus. I'm tired of the enemy always seeming to have the upper hand, and I, and I, I need the power of Christ in my life. That starts with a surrendered heart. And so we, you, you do that. The Bible is very clear. So you have to believe in your heart that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is. That he did and accomplished all that the Bible says that he would accomplish. And that you have to receive the forgiveness of your sins. The Bible says you have to confess that with your mouth. So it's not just enough to just think it in your mind. There's something that you have to say it with your mouth. And so I want to lead you just in a quick prayer. And I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith here in a few moments as we worship together before we close out this morning. But would everyone just pray this with me? Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he came and took my place upon the cross. That he took the price of my sins. So that now, I can be completely forgiven. I ask you to wash my conscience clean. Make me brand new in you. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. That I hear his voice. That I recognize his nudges. And that I'll follow after you all the days of my life in Jesus name amen hey can we just show a little bit of love and support for those making this decision today